0: It ain't the left side or the right side. And it
1: must be the fin side. side. It ain't the left side.
0: Thank or the you, right, Solo D. Right Welcome side. to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and on Spotify. Be sure to check out our merchandise store on the if the season ended today, the Bengals would be the number two seed and the Dolphins would be the number three seed. They square off at Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati this upcoming weekend. A huge game, both teams three and one. The last time the Dolphins played at Cincinnati was just two years ago in 2016. On Thursday night football, Bengals won convincingly 22-7. to They opened the game here at six and a half point favorites. Paul, if the Dolphins lose and get to three and two, it starts to feel a little bit like we're falling officially back into the pack.
1: It does. And this is definitely a statement game for Miami one way or the other. Given what happened last week in New England, this is going to be a very good test of whether or not Miami rolls over and shows their belly or gets mad and, and comes out all guns blazing. Hopefully it's the latter. I mean I I'd, I'd love to see Miami come out really get back to what we saw that was special in the in the fourth quarter of that Oakland game doing what Kansas City seems to do all game long and really utilizing the personnel that they have. The good thing here for the Dolphins is and I know this is different teams blah 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 but really over the course of of, of history with the Bengals Miami's owned the series. Yeah, they lost a couple years ago on Thursday night football. But I think Miami's somewhere like 16 and 6 against the Bengals lifetime, including playoffs. So really, when you look at it, they've they've definitely been the Achilles' heel for the Bengals, which is a good sign for this weekend coming up. And something has to give. Miami's been terrible on third downs. We we've all seen it. We've all cried in frustration when we see Miami, you know, third and 10, third and 12, throwing a screen pass somewhere within two yards of the line of scrimmage, either behind or in front of, or running routes well short of the sticks. The Bengals are the worst team in football on third down percentages right now. So something has to give either way. Granted, the Bengals are 32nd without Vontaze Burfecht or Vontaze Burfecht, but Miami's been terrible on third downs too. Somebody is going to have to change things a little bit here in this game between the two, and that that's going to be huge for the Dolphins or the Bengals. As far as how that turns
0: out, it's actually Vontae's perfect, but you don't have to know that because he's going to be suspended in a couple of games anyway, I'm sure. So, but he does have a big, he brings a big bite back to the Bengals defense that really has struggled over the last couple of games. You know, we we're talking to Rebecca Toback from the Cincy Jungle on a different cast here, but just to give you some stats, the Bengals in the last two games have let up 67 points to the Panthers and the Falcons. The running backs, Christian McCaffrey and Tevin Coleman, have combined for almost 5.7 yards a carry. Matt Ryan and Cam Newton combined quarterback rating on 63 attempts of around 120 with five touchdowns and no interceptions. So the Dolphins do go into Cincinnati at a time where they have to bounce back they can potentially put up points, and boy, do they need it. Because i got to tell you, Paul, we do our show usually on Sunday night as far as the recap, and it's kind of that raw emotion. At first I thought the Dolphins receivers just weren't getting open that day. That's kind of how, how it looked when I was watching the game. I watched the All-22, and it's not that receivers were running wide open in this game, but I put the blame – Big time on Ryan Tannehill there. He was missing some open receivers. Jakeem Grant and Danny Amendola were open quite frequently throughout the game. Adam Gase said so in the press conference. Matched what I saw on, on film there. But Tannehill still overall for the season has a quarterback rating of 106. If he plays well in this game, it could be a very quick bounce back and a huge bounce back.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of confusion in a lot of different areas in this past game. Uh, It was very uncharacteristic of what we've seen of the Dolphins thus far this season. So I'm I'm willing to give them a one-game pass. Every team except the 72 Dolphins does have a tendency to lose a couple of games a year. So I'm willing to give them a little bit of a pass. I mean, we we were talking off the air about Juwan James was running into his own offensive lineman and – you know, eliminating two blockers on a single play periodically. Gasicki, who I know we beat to death in our recap of the game and are both a little over at the moment, was absolutely everything that was advertised before the draft, unfortunately, in terms of his blocking ability in the past week's game and really the season as a whole thus far. But he single-handedly was responsible for the destruction of the running game at times. So you look at some of the other areas of confusion that the Dolphins had, whether it was a coverage, whether it was at the line of scrimmage, whether it was the defensive tackles freelancing, leading to part of the reason that apparently Jordan Phillips was cut this week was some of the freelancing, from what I'm hearing, that the defensive tackles were doing outside of the scheme. You know, you, you look at a lot of things – the Dolphins just played like a confused, weird team that just woke up on the wrong side of the bed, ate the wrong kind of Wheaties, or, or whatever it was that happened last week. Somebody had a voodoo doll somewhere, or they went to New England and played where New England typically plays well. So, uh, right. I'm going to give them a pass, but they need to show up against the Bengals here.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, I I thought the game plan last week was just garbage. I mean, for for New England to go six and seven defensive back as often as they do, another thing I saw in the All-22, and for the Dolphins not to respond at all by running the football was just a terrible game plan. And I it's, it started reminding me of the Mike Sherman crap from about five years ago, when Lamar Miller would get in the third, in the second, third, and fourth quarters of the game, he'd only get five or six carries because they'd be stacking the line of scrimmage. You still have to run the ball because if you don't then those defensive linemen can pin their ears back. They can put a lot of DBs on the field and they just defend the pass because they're not afraid of the run game. Kenyon Drake, eight carries for six yards in the last two games, a healthy Kenyon Drake that has to change this week. And I think the dolphins need to get the ball in the hands of Drake and Gore about 25 to 30 times. If for nothing else to balance things out,
1: they do. But in order to be able to do that, I know we lost Kilgore for the year. I, I know, uh... They're having to shuffle some things in the offensive line. But really, in order f- for them to do that, the offensive line needs to get on the same page, whether it's whoever's at center making the calls that, that's causing some of the confusion along the line. And really, if Mike Kosicki's not going to block anybody and not going to be a threat in the receiving game, I'd rather have Durham Smythe out there every play. I don't want to see Sam Young coming out and being eligible and everybody knows we're running the ball. Put Durham Smythe in there. The guy's a blocker. We all know it. He may not be as good of a blocker as Sam Young, but he's a damn good blocker for tight end. And at least in that scenario, you can run or pass out of that a little bit better. So, yeah, Gage needs to get away from this vanilla, as I think you put a chicken shit play calling in this game. Was. And get back to the fun stuff. I don't give a crap if people want to call it gimmicky. You look at Kansas City, people have gotten away from calling it gimmicky, and they run every which way under the sun and use every inch of the field. Miami didn't use every inch of the field in this last game, and they need to against the Bengals because they're a team that can put up points. But they also let up a hell of a lot of points, too. And that's what Miami needs to go for.
0: Yeah, the scariest matchup for me is – that interior of the Dolphins line. As we know, Josh Sitton's out for the year. Dan Kilgore's out for the year. You're going to see Ted Larson at left guard, as usual, as well as Travis Swanson at center. You're going up against Geno Atkins, one of the best defensive tackles in the game. That's a matchup that scares me, especially on the interior. But the good thing, too, is Juwan James and Laramie Tunzel need a good bounce-back game here. At defensive end and on the outside, you've only got five sacks in four games from those defensive ends. Carlos Dunlap leads that group with three. So taking a look at the rest of the matchups too, you know, I'm kind of torn defensively for the Dolphins because on one side, like you said, the Bengals have done well on offense this year. They're averaging 31.5 points a game. Andy Dalton is off to a very good start this year. Tyler Boyd is in the middle of a breakout year. They should get Joe Mixon back at running back. But I actually do like a lot of the matchups here, and here's why. Because if the Dolphins have Xavier Howard shadowing A.J. Green, which they should. I'm not saying Xavier's going to win that matchup, but at least you're putting your best guy against their best guy. And then in the slot, you've got Minka Fitzpatrick, you would hope, going up against Tyler Boyd, who's in the middle of a breakout year in the slot. Then you're covering their two best guys with your two best guys. I think that alleviates the pressure of of having Bobby McCain out for a couple of weeks. And on the outside, you've got Tory McTire against John Ross. Both are mistake-prone players, but if the Bengals win, I don't want them to win with A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd catching easy passes in his own defense. I want them to win with their worst players against our worst players.
1: So, Kat, in terms – I want to ask you this real quick. Um, In terms of the cornerback position in the base defense, we all know Bobby McCain's out for a few weeks. He is going to be missed. Now, if you were Matt Burke, would you consider in the base defense with Rashad Jones expected to play in this game, having TJ and Rashad at safety and sliding Minka – to that other cornerback spot opposite Xavier Howard until Bobby McCain is healthy?
0: If it's a 4-3-4 defense, I think you'd be stupid not to. I mean, you've been a lot more complimentary of Tory McTire than I've been. I think McTire is an absolute 100% liability on the outside. I mean, you look at last week against the Patriots. In the third quarter, there were two situations after McCain went down where it was third and 11 or more. McTire played so far off that the receiver caught the pass, had so much room that it was basically an open field situation. They made McTire miss worse and they went for another 10 yards after that. I think he's a complete liability. I would actually like to see them in five defensive back looks to put Tankersley out there because he's got to be active with all the injuries. And see what the guy's made out of. If if he falls on his face, that's fine, but I think he has the potential to regain some confidence. But to answer your question, I think it'd be crazy and if you put four defensive backs on the field for you to have not have Minka Fitzpatrick out there. He should be out there in every down, especially with McCain out.
1: Now, one other question I have for you. I know you mentioned Travis Swanson's going to be starting at center, but... There is the possibility Miami signed an ex-Jet this week that played pretty well, started 15 games for them last year. Do you think he gets in and and gets in the mix? What can you tell our listeners about him? Because I know he's not a household name.
0: Wesley Johnson, a fifth-round pick in 2014. He's been with the Jets for the last couple years. PFF had him as one of the lowest-rated centers last year when he started 15 games for them. Unfortunately, I say between Travis Swanson and Wesley Johnson, it's, which gun do you want to shoot yourself with? I mean, they're not good players. But on the here's the good thing about the offensive line. On the interior, you can do a couple of different things to set up some walls and pass protection. And I think the Dolphins have done a pretty good job of doing that. It's better to have those injuries on the interior than it is at the tackle spots where Tannehill can just get blindsided. But the reality is, Paul, between When you lose your starting center and your starting left guard for the year, when you made a point to go fix those two positions, when you lose them for the year four games into the season, you're going to have some struggles on the interior.
1: Well, especially when, really, your backup center's out as well in, in, in Jake Brendel. Hopefully they'll be able to get Brendel back around week eight, week nine. I, I just Like you said in our, our, our recap show, I think we should throw a party when Jake Brendel comes back oh, gosh, because yeah. he, he was – Arguably, uh, depending on who you talk to, better than Mike Pouncey last year, and you know you either thought he was or you just are a Mike Pouncey homer. But regardless, he he was better than Mike Pouncey last year when he came in. He was better than Mike Pouncey the year before when he got on the field. So really, it, it's at least it's still an improvement over last year to have him come in. And it's not like Kilgore was a world beater. Brendel could easily come in and seize the starting spot from Kilgore when he's back in a few weeks, but I know we'll touch on that later on.
0: Yeah, and we're a couple weeks away from that, but Brendel, it's a smaller sample size. I think he played the equivalent of two and a half games over those two years, and he did well when he was out there. I mean, how he would do in a 16-game season, I'm not sure. I think he looks every bit the part, so I'm looking forward to to seeing that and getting some some help when that happens, because there is nobody out there on the interior. Anyway, we've gotten off the rails just a little bit. Something else for our listeners to know, too, and on the injury front, tight end Tyler Eifert, who is having a really good season for the Bengals, out for the year again. I heard a quote from a podcast, uh, I can't remember who it was, is that Tyler Eifert is made out of Chad Pennington's knees. I think that's exactly accurate. They'll also be without center Billy Price, their first-round pick. They'll slide Alex Redman from right guard to center. But their offensive line is not all that great either, and the Dolphins should be able, you would hope, to get pressure on the quarterback. And they have to get pressure on Andy Dalton because if they start blitzing, you start playing right into Andy Dalton's hands.
1: Well, and and on a good note here, I expect to see Vincent Taylor see yet another uptick in snaps given the the cut of Jordan Phillips this week and the play of Vincent Taylor the past, well, pretty much all season. He's gotten better and better and better. We've noticed it in the preseason. We've talked about it a lot here on the show. And really, he's been a bit of a dominant force that Jordan Phillips was supposed to be. So I'm excited, and this is a guy that likes Jordan Phillips talking here. I'm excited to see Vincent Taylor see a few more snaps because I think he can create that pressure coming up the middle that sets the table for guys like Quinn and Wake on the outside.
0: Well, I can officially say Jordan Phillips can blow me for what he did <laughs> over the last couple of weeks because, I look, i do not I'm not one of these people who get mad when somebody isn't playing well. But when you quit on the team, which is really what Jordan Phillips did with his sideline outburst where nobody could even talk to him. And keep in mind this is a fourth defensive tackle, somebody who's not even playing well. And then this past week he walks out of a team meeting. Go to hell. Yeah. I, I wish him nothing but terrible things throughout the rest of his NFL career. Anyway, getting back to the game, Paul, what's your prediction here?
1: God, this is such a tough one. It's it's so it's so dependent on whether we get good gaze or bad gaze from the play calling perspective. I think Xavier Howard's going to come out and have an effective game, have another pick or two in this one. But if, if Gase comes out calling a vanilla game yet again, throughout the entire game, we could be in for a bloodbath. I think Gase is a smart enough coach to have learned from last week. So I think Miami pulls it out here. Given how bad the Bengals' defense is, you know, Montez Montez Burfecht making himself chucked halfway through the game and suspended, I'm not even going to give him credit for a couple of weeks here. But given how bad the Bengals' defense is here, I think Miami can put up some points, especially if they play exciting football. And I'm going to go Dolphins. (laughs) It seems crazy after last week, but 37-21.
0: That would be a very big surprise to me. I'm going to give the Bengals this game – 27-17. to I think that there has to be a lot of pressure put on Andy Dalton for this to work. The loss of Bobby McCain is a big one. I want the Dolphins to have Minka Fitzpatrick in the slot on Tyler Boyd and Xavier Howard on the outside against A.J. Green. I'm not even confident they'll win those matchups because you're talking about two really good receivers. And I'm not sure the Dolphins are on the right track yet. I mean, I think it's going to be a two-week kind of miserable situation here. But the good thing is, after this, you've got three of the next four games at home, very winnable games at home against the Bears, Lions, and Jets, as well as on the road against a struggling Texans team. So if the Dolphins can pull this out, as you predicted, Paul, they're 4-1, and and it could be a very clear pathway to 7-2. and But if they don't win this game, you start getting that feeling like we did in 2013 when the Dolphins started off 3-0. and and then just kind of farted their way out to 8-8 eight and eight at the end and missed the playoffs. So a very, very big game here in Week 5 of the NFL season. That will do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins-Bengals matchup coming up this weekend. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, and on iHeartRadio. You are listening to Cat and Paul Pickin, And check out our merchandise store, too, on the threadless.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the Fin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the
1: left side for the right side, then it must be the fence side. side. It ain't the left, left side for the right, right side, then it must be the fan side. Line. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in yeah. to see
0: what Brian, Cat, and Paul about to do again. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition.